Welcome to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly film and whiskey review podcast. Join us each week as we review a film and a whiskey. You can follow us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar, or send us an email with your own film reviews and whiskey recommendations. Three Boys in a Bar at gmail.com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Three Boys in a Bar for this week. Uh, we're going to kick straight into it because we've reviewed a very special film that I'm so glad Tom got us to watch this week. So if I can build it up further, I would. It's Look, it's, it's big, it's powerful, it's punchy, it's cinematic genius, uh, and I can't wait for everyone to hear Tom's review of it and... Uh, I just really want to build it up more and more and more. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Tom, please, what was this week? All right, so the movie that we were, we are reviewing this week is The Lovebirds, directed by Marcus Schewalter, um, collaborating again with Kumar Nanjiani, whose previous uh, effort, The Big Sick, was such a good movie. Back in 2017, when it debuted at the Sundance Film Festival, it was one of my favourite movies for that year. So... I came into The Lovebirds having very high expectations, and I can't. And I'm afraid to say they weren't. <laughs> um, After all this build-up, thanks, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really want to just kind of keep going with it. Just, <laughs> the listeners are on the edge of their seats, right. thinking like, "What is this film? It's like the next Citizen Kane. It's, yeah, that's this right. is amazing in in this time in this era. Yeah, and then yeah. Well, you know, this <laughs> this movie was this movie was. Um, uh, distributed by was to be distributed by Paramount Pictures, and it ended up, uh, and then because of the coronavirus, they just um, shopped it off to Netflix, where it is now available for on streaming, um, which was already a bad sign, in my opinion, <laughs> um, which I did not heed. Um, <laughs> but basically, what the story is is that, you know, on the day that they meet, the t- our two protagonists, um, Gibran, played by Kumar Nanjiani. And Leilani insecures is a ray. Um, it is love at first sight, and then four years later, we cut across to them bickering and being constantly in conflict, and generally just a very unhappy couple. And they are thinking of splitting up until they are suddenly framed for the murder of a um, man on a bicycle. And in order to clear their name, they decide to investigate who killed that man and why. This is a comedy, by the way, listeners. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I think the I think the problem with this movie is there, there's a couple of things. First of all, I think the chemistry is not um, it's not necessarily there and all the time. I mean, there are a couple of laughs, and there were definitely some great jokes, especially at the start of the movie. Um, but I think that they that overall the 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 premise was. Um, was just implausible. I thought that the character development wasn't organic. I felt like as well that it, there's a bit of a difficulty when you have three separate writing credits, one being the story creator and two writers. Um, and it definitely felt that way with this movie. I think one of the issues is that you had... Um, there were some moments when you had some really great opportunities for character development and then they didn't quite nail it because they were more interested in... Pers- in in uh, progressing the plot 
and focusing on the exposition, which I thought was clearly the weaker part of the film. So, in my opinion, unfortunately, I did not, I, I, I can't recommend this movie to to viewers. I do think, I, I mean, I will always, I will always look out for another collaboration between Michael Showalter and Kamal Nanjiani. I love the Big Sick, and I would love to see what they do next. Um, but unfortunately, this movie. Um, even for 87 minutes, just felt like it was too long. A, a harsh and concise critique, Tom. Um, but I, I do agree with you there on quite a few points. I do think a lot of the the issues with this film come with the fact that comedy is key. And comedy comes in place of a lot of actual story development, of character development, and, yeah, and even on top of exposition sometimes. Um, but... Yeah, it's the type of comedy that I think it employs. While it does get the occasional laugh, it's more the the awkward style of comedy. You know that one where you're just kind of like you're cringing on the inside, which yeah. doesn't resonate with me at all. Because I personally hate when I'm cringing, so I don't know why people enjoy it, but <laughs> some people might. Um, and uh, touching on what you said before as well, the the, the chemistry between Gibran and Lavani. While they're at times, it does wear thin very easily because they're a lot of the time they're bickering. And a lot of the time they're bickering about random stuff that's not actually relevant to any plot or anything at all. It's there for a joke, for a cheap shot, and it doesn't land for me. None of them landed for me. Sure, there are some laughs in this film, don't get me wrong, but all of these throwaway jokes, I mean, it's just... They're there for comedy and the comedy's not even there, so why are they there? Yeah, I think I would agree with most of what you've both just said. Um, and it's hard because I, thinking back, I did laugh in a lot of spots. And Tom, you were talking about that beginning section. And anybody who's been in a relationship, I think, can really identify with it. So from the outset, it is this kind of really gooey, um, saccharine love story. And you're like, ugh, this is gross. And then there's this really smart cut to this the bickering scene and yeah i was like anybody who's ever been in a relationship and the argument is over something so trivial um and i thought that that was really smart and i was like oh okay yeah here we go and they played off that really lovey-dovey stuff you know so well because i was just like oh this is the film blah and then cut to yeah i basically hate your guts and what do you mean we can't ever be on the amazing race um, we were a great couple. So I thought anybody who's been in a relationship is like going to identify with this. But then I, I felt like that first scene or that first 10 minutes was what they spent the majority of the writing room nailing down. And then they kind of were like, okay, the rest of the film can just figure itself out. And unfortunately, it really didn't for me. So the arc or the story was there and yeah it's not great plot holes and all the rest of it and then just with these moments where jokes are kind of supplanted in there and they're either gags that we've seen before or just you just felt like okay the story's stopping so we can kind of riff on a funny gag like the milkshake thing um i was like oh okay this is this is like seinfeld observational humor 101 and it just feels like the story has stopped so we can play this one gag around the milkshake so uh, I'm kind of with you guys and look you you said it Marco there are a few laughs in the film but uh, it falls well short of yeah a real belly laugh well-made comedy mm, it's a I, I totally agree with what you're saying um, I think 
um, I think in, in uh, especially with um, you know just the fact what you were saying Marco before about how they how a lot of the humor just felt forced and it was not really I mean you know for this movie for a movie like this to work you needed to be able to um, really which they set the premise so well like you know like like um, you were saying Will like it, it's saccharine the opening scene is just so disgusting Ugh. but you can totally relate and to it and that song yeah. which is like you know I will find someone like you and uh, oh yeah, yeah. and you totally know what, it, what it's setting up like it's mm. you're gonna have this net you're gonna have this uh, juxtaposed scene which just everything is just where they're all just foul mouthed and mm. you know yelling at each other and trying to maintain um, a a um, civilized discussion in light of their neighbors and you know it's, it's a very it's a very good it's a very good opening scene and that was really the underlying premise for this film and then it gets completely sidetracked by this whole this whole like um, subplot about a murder mystery. And I think movies like Date Night have done this kind of thing better. Yeah, and that was the film that came to mind when I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is like a poor man's Date Night. It was like Date Night meets Mr. and Mrs. Smith with a splash of the Da Vinci Code thrown in and somebody's <laughs> really effed up the ratios on all those bad boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I was about to say, that's, that's quite a good mix apart from maybe the Date Night part. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly it's just like they accidentally tipped in yeah. the whole canister of Date Night and well, then sprinkled in a little bit of like really shit expositional comedy. Yeah. Well, I think that they mixed up the canister of date night with bad neighbors. Because actually, I was like, no, this feels more like a bad neighbors. Like this whole kind of not that bad neighbors was contrived like this is, but that sort of forgettable comedy, and we're going to hash this plot out of nothing. And um, and of course, I was still trying to find meaning in it and all the rest of it. And I just was like, oh well, give it up. It is what it is. You <laughs> no, know. It, but yeah, it's it's at best it's a popcorn film to watch with somebody else, and then stop watching it halfway through. Ooh, stop watching. Oh, that was harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, also because I'm like, I never stop watching films, no. even if they're bad. Like, I, d- I may not. Did have, you... I may not have meant it like that, but no, no, no. Like, I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> have you like? Would you have turned it off if we weren't reviewing it? Would you have turned it off and walked away? Oh. You know, like I've never walked out of a film in cinemas. Yeah. But I, I probably would have turned it off purely because it is a Netflix thing, and it is so easy to do that. Yeah. Whereas at least in the cinema, in cinemas, like I went and saw the remake of Fantastic Four. <laughs> I went and saw that. I sat through that absolute piece of garbage in cinemas. I did refuse to walk out. But yeah, I probably would have turned this off about halfway through if I went reviewing it. Although I, I was really hoping that it could come to something towards the end it was building towards something (laughs) and i was hoping that that was going to be something a little bit more interesting than the first half of the film actually gave me but uh i was all i was quite disappointed i'm afraid there is a great line in the movie where one of the characters actually says you guys are so annoying (laughs) and i just had to be like yeah i totally agree with that (laughs) we're on the side of the bad guy here yeah I did. I think there was a very funny line though, um, and when I look for meaning, I thought this was perhaps the only glimmer of meaning I could find. When uh, I think about halfway through, a cop car pulls past our two oh. protagonists, um, and the cop car keeps going, and she just says, um, "Oh no, they just aren't the normal racists." And I thought, yes, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, like if you can't get the fact that I'm scraping the bottle of the barrel for, you know, moments that lifted this film, that I am. I think as, um, as the other thing as well is that 
I think there was so much opportunity with this movie. Um, they had, um, and I think we've all sort of stuck. We've all sort of touched on this point in um, in our exchange, but they really um, had, they, like they they really had the the, vo- the characters had distinct voices, mm. and there was clearly you know so much opportunity. They knew like whoever. I, I feel like the difficulty is that you had two writers, and the two writers were writing different things, or you may have had like an earlier draft that was more on character development, which may have got shut down in a subsequent draft. And got re things got rewritten, uh, scenes got rewritten, things like that. Um, that is just I, I I can't confirm that. Like that's just my suspicion with what happened with this movie, and it just ended up becoming an incoherent product. Um, but I think um, you know the, these characters were really um, the awkwardness is the source of their humour, um, but unfortunately it didn't quite work. Not always. Yeah. And I, I like that awkward humor. I don't know how you guys found the the inciting incident where the murder, if you like, takes place. But that for me stretched out way too long. And considering what happens, that backwards and forwardsing of the car, I was like, nah, yeah. just stop, just stop. This is just going into a whole different plane. That. Like, it's not that funny, and maybe we didn't get the reaction yet. Maybe it wasn't in the writing or the reaction from, you know, our characters, but the absurdity of the backwards and forwards thing, I was like, nah, that... that." It was hard to watch. I found that Mm -hmm. scene really hard to watch for all the wrong reasons. And, like, uh, the thing I I found as well, like, the characters never really developed through the film at all. I mean, they were the Mm. same from the very start... Not the very start, when they were all lovey-dovey and saccharine, but from the arguing couple and who they are within that never change from start to finish they literally like the murder happens they see it they're sure i can understand maybe you react in a way that is familiar to you which is arguing about something really dumb and random maybe that's their safe place maybe that's that's just who they are but then the fact that even after everything else that happens they don't change they still do that and like the only one thing changes right at the end which I'm not going to say anything but even uh, I think most people that would go into this film would know that, that that's how it would end yeah you see it coming I think for sure because mm. the message is that all couples fight and it's not always a bad thing mm. but I don't really think that yeah. gets across very well does it and I still I, and I was actually hoping that it wasn't going to have the cliche ending and I thought that actually was what I was really hoping for because I thought, oh, that would be something different to see and that could be actually really funny if after going through this horrendous experience that we all think is going to unite them, what happens... I'm kind of giving it away, but literally <laughs> I do not care about this film. <laughs> um, what happens if they went the other way? But I think that that, that was a bit of a dumb hope, perhaps, um, because it's certainly never smells of that I was just like oh that would have been something at least something um, well I don't think subversion was in the wheelhouse of this film so. no <laughs> no and look there were you know there were some really funny you know jokes around uh, minority races and stuff like that and I think the body cam joke worked really well and even some of the setup when they finally get interrogated but th- there wasn't enough around those few moments of sparkle to really make this film worth watching or recommending mm. no agreed I, I, I think there's no doubt that a lot of the self-aware racial humor was landed probably the best out of everything yeah in mm. my opinion because it was 
like, I mean, as a lot of people will know is what's going on in America right now, and we're not going to go too political on this podcast, but there's clearly an issue there. Yeah. Mm. And it, to tackle the issue through comedy is nice. And to see that and to recognise that. And it was the most honest form of comedy, I think, in the whole film. Yeah. Mm. Rather than arguing about the extra shit you get from a milkshake. Like, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Or like the Katy Perry fireworks singing scene that goes oh. on and on and on and on and on and on again. Oh. <laughs> and like, I've got nothing against the song, but it, yeah, for me, you know, that sort of stuff didn't land. And it, yeah, there were some really long takes of things, but what I thought that first scene did really well was it was quite long. And so I was like, oh, this is like the backwards and forwardsing and the argument. I was like, yeah, this is what it's like to be in a couple. And then it was kind of a thing that was carried on in some of the other scenes where they just kind of almost like they kept rolling. And I was like, these scenes feel quite long. But then unlike the first scene, it really just died. And so even though uh, at the diner where they're doing this milkshake thing, I'm like, give it up. Like, you know, I wanted to have the gong and to gong them off and like, (laughs) let's keep moving. Yeah. I, I do wonder how much of some of that stuff is scripted and if there was any ad-libbing thing because, I mean, um, Kamal Nanjiani is known for his comedy. I mean, I mean, I, I don't, haven't been following his career too closely, but I believe he's on quite a lot of comedy shows. No, he's that a stand-up comedian. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I didn't actually even know that. Um, so I do wonder if how much of that, the chemistry and that dynamic was just ad-libbed and some of that ad-libbing either did or didn't land rather than that necessarily being a scripting problem. Maybe they had a direction mm. and they've kind of got to where they need to go, but, I mean, I'm clutching at straws here to try to justify why it was the way it was. Look, I think they did. I, I do think the um, their performances were good, despite the fact that they probably had very little to work with. I I, I think um, I think Ray had um, had a really strong presence, and I, I really like Kumail Nanjiani on screen. Um, I just... Uh, regrettably, I just didn't think this was their movie. Mm. Yeah, uh, and even if it, we were looking at a romantic comedy, uh, and just off that, I think, yeah, they're, they're they're a certain style, so you know what you are going to get, or and what you're not going to get, or at least you hope you're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah, and I just think that it didn't give me that like especially date night that's such a great analogy tom or comparison um because you know yeah but with with those two actors in it yeah they could have done so much more and they were fine like i think you're right but with better writing maybe yeah there could have just been so much more So, Marco, I believe, um, I believe this week it's your choice on whiskey. So, what were you drinking when we watched this? When you watched this movie? Well, uh, what we're about to taste is what I was drinking while watching this film, which is the Glenfiddich Experimental Fire and Cane. Um, so, in 2018, they released this, which is basically like a few other whiskies we've done on this show, is a double double distilled so they started in the in one cask and then they'll move it into a second cask so this is actually finished in sweet rum casks from south america mm-hmm. so the idea behind it is to give the smokiness of like the single malt in the first barrel and then infuse a sweetness with the rum and all that 
So hopefully we can you get hey. fire or cane. Well, I don't think it be, can be any more disappointing than the movies. So. <laughs> this is the first one that we really kind of hated. I know we're talking about the whiskey, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about yeah. the whiskey. We'll come back to that when okay. we do our scores. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listeners, we're now tasting the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very sweet on the nose, which I guess is kind of the part of the point. They're trying to go for a toffee sweetness as well as the smokiness. I still get that what in my younger and less educated years was, I used to think whiskey just smelled like diesel. You still get that real... Um, that sting in the nostrils. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to describe it as diesel, but just so you know that once upon a time, that was my only way of cl classifying what a whiskey smelled like. What do you get, I Tom? like that. I like it. I get the smokiness. I reckon the you have a very subtle, um, sharp, sweet taste in the background, but I reckon it's the smokiness that prevails. Mm. Well... Yeah, unlike the upshot of last week, I think this one still has all that, all those characteristics that you'd want out of a good scotch, and and I mean it's subtle that 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 sweeter thing, isn't it? It's mm. it's yeah, I mean it's it's hardly child's liquor, is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I I have to say I find it really quite sweet at the very start. Like it almost like drinking like liquid honey or liquid toffee in whiskey form, <laughs> but then it, the smokiness really does come through right afterwards. Like when once you actually drink it in, you really get that smokiness in the back of the throat, which I'm really enjoying. Any other final thoughts on the uh, Glenfiddich Fire and Cane? I think it's a it's a sipper. You don't want to burn through that. No, you know quickly. No, You're gonna you, nurse you that. Nurse that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I feel no. like there's more to be said, but I feel like I need to come back next week and to, like I've really <laughs> again, unlike the film, there's a lot a lot more characteristics to this to to try and you know sit with and figure out. Yeah, there is no doubt about that. Like, I love the, the Glenfiddich doing the experimental series. They have done a few other runs in this line that uh, I haven't had the pleasure of trying just yet, but they might appear again on my choice in a following week or down the line. But, um, yeah, for everyone listening at home, that again is the Glenfiddich Fire and Cane Single Malt Scotch Whiskey finished in sweet rum casks from South America. So now I think we should probably get back to the Lovebirds and our our scores for the film. So Will, take us away. Yeah. How did you score this film? Look, I think I tend to be quite generous with my scores. So bear with me because I've just completely rubbished it in my review and now I'm going to give it possibly more than it deserves. So for story, <laughs> I, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a three. I'm just going to go... I know... Yeah, I'm just going to give it a three. Direction, I'm going to give it a three. Technical, I'm going to give it a three. And performances, I'm going to give it a three. Because I just thought it was 
baseline, you could put this on, you're not going to want to how to put this delicately. I think if you can make it all the way through, you're doing well and you won't have massive regrets like possibly some other decisions you've made in your life. You'll just think, okay, passable film. Watch it with someone that, you know, you don't care if you fall asleep or your phone rings. I think it's watchable, but only because it it passes just on all categories. So that gives me a very generous 12 out of 20. And uh, probably if you had to say watch or miss, I'd probably say miss it. But if you accidentally turn it on, you might, you might laugh. You might. It might be okay. I'm optimistic. I'm done. <laughs> very, very optimistic there, Will. Well, um, I was a little bit less generous with my scoring. Not by much, but a little bit. Uh, I gave the story a two. I thought, like what Tom's touched on a little bit, it it's a bit of a mess, and the like it becomes very implausible very quickly. And at that point, you've kind of lost me. It's if I if the story doesn't feel like it even remotely could work, then yeah, I'm out. Uh, performances were a three. They did really well with what they had, but nothing, nothing to really write home about. Uh, direction a two. I th think all of the elements sort of combined just didn't really gel. I mean, between, I mean, the film looked good, sure. The production design looked alright. Wardrobe was alright. Score, yeah, was there in parts, but it certainly wasn't, wasn't a masterclass in directing. Um, and technically, I uh, gave it a three. So, same, middle of the road, nothing spectacular, but not horrible. Uh, which gives me a ten. That's really funny, because that's exactly the same scoring I gave for this <laughs> film. I thought, um, I thought, yeah, writing, I gave it a two. I think, unfortunately, the story resolves itself to try and generate laughs at the expense of character development, which I think was unfortunate, because I think the voices that they created for the characters Gibran and Leilani were excellent um, performances I gave a three I thought Kumar Nanjiani and Isare were excellent but unfortunately the scripts didn't do much justice for them I would also like to shout out Paul Sparks who played Moustache mm. he's from um, he's had an appearance in House of Cards in the latest seasons and he was really good in yeah, that yeah, so it was yeah. unfortunate that in this movie he had hardly anything to say because yeah. um, he's a phenomenal actor but, um, but he did have the best line in the film he did Yes, he did. You guys are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to hashtag for that. For this. <laughs> um, direction, I gave a two as well. I think, um, uh, unfortunately, I think that I think there just needed to be. Um, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think it, this film was quite up to scratch. But that being said, Michael Schwalter is a very talented filmmaker. Um, I love The Big Sick. I thought that was a fantastic movie when that came out. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to his next uh, his next project. Technical, technical, I gave a three as well. So overall, I give a score of ten. Great. And I I said it was pretty missable. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I, I'm much in your camp, Will. I think miss it. I mean, if you put it on when you're with a friend and you know you decide to do other things halfway through the film, you're not missing much. I think this is the kind of movie 
I mean, you, there are better raunchy comedies out there than this one, and I reckon you're better off looking for those ones. This one doesn't. This one is is passable and it's competent, but it, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it compared to what else is out is out there. It's not worth the hour and a half of your time. Yeah, but if you've seen everything else on Netflix, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Can we can we say anything else? It's been a short episode, but I think we've kind of covered off most of what certainly I've had, I would want to say about this film I think unfortunately Will this, this film lacks a lot of substance so we can't really do a deep dive into anything any element of it that we particularly enjoyed unless there is something else to say because I'm, t- I'm tapped out <laughs> no I, I haven't got much to say either on this um, but I am curious Will for our next episode what is, is your choice for the, for the review it is it is it is so um, I'm hoping that we step into uh, yeah I'm hoping to elevate us back into a sphere that we would normally enjoy. So sticking with Netflix because we are kind of coming out of COVID, um, but taking a detour via France, I'm choosing a French action film. Ooh, and um, I'm pretty excited about it. So we're going to be watching Earth and Blood. Um, produced by Netflix and I just thought something action-y that wasn't sci-fi because we kind of covered that uh, looked pretty good and the director's worked with Jean-Claude Van Damme he's not in this film but I was like if anyone's worked with the great then I'm, uh, I'm in yeah so earth and blood brilliant and Tom, are you going to give us a hint as to what we'll be, we'll be drinking next week? Yeah, I've been. Look, I knew this day would come <laughs> next week, um, <laughs> but I'm I've been thinking about this one a lot. Um, but all I will say for now is that I have an eye, eye to Ireland for next week. Ooh. Ooh. well, stay tuned uh, next week. Uh, you can you can join us at, in the conversation at Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar. That's the number three boys in a bar. Uh, and also we can be reached at threeboysinabar at gmail.com you can let us know other films you think we should review other whiskies we should review and uh, unfortunately no spoiler cast this week uh, for obvious reasons but uh, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week catch you next week see you guys hey thanks for listening to Three Boys in a Bar if you liked this podcast please subscribe rate and review don't forget you can connect with us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us your own whiskey and film recommendations to threeboysinabar at gmail.com. Stay tuned for a spoiler cast if we have one happening this week. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.